Hi, I'm Tish Williams, Executive Director of the Hancock Chamber of Commerce and the Hancock County Community Development Foundation. And today we're launching a new podcast that you will be able to download on Apple, Spotify, and Google Play. And we have two guests today for our first podcast. First, you're gonna hear from Wilson Thomas, the Chief Executive Officer of Oxford Medical Center Hancock and Hancock's Affiliated Health Centers on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. And then you're gonna hear, hear from Kay Kell, give us an update on the ever popular Hancock Housewives program. But first, join me in welcoming the new CEO of Oxford Medical Center Hancock, Wilson Thomas. Wilson, I understand you're a native of Mobile, Alabama, and recently served as project CEO for Community Health Systems of Tennessee. You earned an undergraduate degree from the University of South Alabama, as well as a Master of Business Administration degree from Troy University. And you began your career in Lower Alabama, gaining positions of increasing responsibility in healthcare in Texas, Arkansas, Florida, and Virginia. And we are delighted to welcome you back to the Gulf Coast in your new position. And I'd like to introduce you to the Board of Directors of the Hancock Chamber of Commerce during their regular monthly meeting today so that you can give us an update on what's happening with Ochsner. I'd be happy to. Thank you for the introduction, Tish, and I enjoyed meeting with you the other day as well. Um, yeah, I've, I've been asked to give an update, uh, give a little personal background, kind of how I got here. Tish explained explain a little bit about my, my journey over the last 12 years, and I'll, I'll go into a little more of that now, um, just on a personal level, and then um, speak a little bit about professionally as well, and, and then what's going on here at Ochsner Hancock, and, you know, as much as I know about Ochsner, um, the whole system, and, and our plans in, in Mississippi. Um, so, I, I've worked for Community Health Systems, which is a, a for-profit uh, healthcare system based in Nashville for 12 years before joining Oshner. Um, lived in, worked in six facilities in five states in 12 years. So traveled around a lot. I was married about half of that time, so didn't travel as much the second half. Uh, she didn't really like uh, moving as much, but uh, we ended up back on, as Tish said, grew up in Mobile. So we're back home. Uh, and we don't we don't want to go anywhere. So we, we, we got lucky uh, to end up here uh, on the Gulf Coast, Central Gulf Coast, um, 99 miles door to door. Uh, plan on moving as soon as something hits the market. And maybe somebody can help me with that. I don't, I don't know if there are any <laughs> realtors out there, but um, I've just been kind of poking around and I don't think anybody wants to move uh, during Christmas or New Year's. So maybe things will pick up. But um, staying two or three nights a week over in Long Beach, um, enjoy the area. Um, I have two kids, a three-year-old and a seven-month-old um, daughter and son. And um, my wife is a healthcare worker. She hasn't resigned yet, but is planning to fairly soon. So um, we'll be moving everybody over, uh, hopefully for the last time for a long time. Uh, tired of moving. So we most recently came from Richmond, Virginia. Um, mom was sick, uh, so it kind of worked out. The project CEO position kind of worked out. I, I traveled a good bit for that job. Um, 
but was able to spend a lot of time with her toward the end of her life. Um, so the timing is funny how things work out sometimes. Um, worked, worked well for us and my family. Um, so glad to join Oshner and, and, and I'll start to share a little bit about um, what's, what's going on with, with here, here at Hancock and then across the, across the Gulf Coast. Uh, so we're expanding operations as far as um, what we'd like to offer the community from a specialty standpoint. Um, you know, I don't think any, anyone's expecting um, this facility to turn into a tertiary care center, meaning we've got a level one trauma center and, you know, 400 patients in the hospital. But what we can provide are, are what the community expects. So, and that's, that's, our, that's our mission here, is to continue our labor and delivery services. We interviewed two uh, OBGYNs this past week. Um, we've got an offer out to an orthopedic surgeon. Um, so the, the, the basics that you would expect, um, the basic care that you would expect to have access to in a, in a community this size is what, we, what we're striving to ensure that we, that we have. Um, I can't really speak to what we had years ago with, with the county, um, but I can tell you about a forward-looking uh, projection, more or less, about where we want to go. Um, you know, we've expanded our primary care base now. Um, we've got quite a few physicians on the primary care side, as well as a pediatrician, which I kind of lump into that, that primary care group. Um, we are, as many of you have heard, we've partnered with um, Singing River in Gulfport um, at their Garden Park facility in a, what we're calling a strategic partnership, which more or less means that we share resources, right? So if, if, if I need a physician of whatever type it may be, whether that's an ER physician or a hospitalist here within the facility, um, we can share some of those resources. When in the past, obviously we were a competitor. Um, we're no longer com competitors. Uh, now, whether there'll be a financial relationship or a, a joint venture, more or less, um, in the future is, is, I think that's a possibility, but now that's not, um, it may be on the table, but that's above my pay grade. So I, I think there could be, uh, this is, that's a lot of times this is the lead into um, that, that arrangement, but um, haven't heard anything about that yet. Uh, while we'd like to expand, I, I don't know that that will happen. So as far as that's concerned, uh, we're excited about that relationship. They've got a good reputation. Um, they're close by. Our, our Mississippi patients will no longer have to be, well, some of them will still go to Louisiana, but we'd like to keep them here, here in Mississippi. Um, and that, that's part of the, the strategic plan there. So I know everybody's anxious to hear about the, the vaccine. So in, in a you know, considering time, I'll go ahead and get dive into that. Um, you know, we, we have the Moderna vaccine here um, and we are getting it sporadically as you're hearing on local and national news, the supply is just not there. Hopefully the Johnson Johnson vaccine will be approved this week. Uh, that's what we're hearing anyway from the federal government. Um, but the, the controls in place for um, the emergency use of, of those drugs are obviously run through the federal government, um, as well as the recommendations on our phasing of the rollout of the vaccine. And that is actually 
uh, dictated by the state, not just the federal government. It's usually with guidelines that uh, are pretty close to the CDCs, but not always. For example, Louisiana and Mississippi aren't even the same. Um, and Alabama is far behind both Louisiana and Mississippi as far as where they are in phasing. Uh, they're catching up a little bit now as from what I'm hearing. But um, so we just got news about 10 minutes ago, maybe 20 minutes ago, that we could give vaccine to teachers and first, first responders now. Um, and that the state just allowed us to do that. They are in complete and total control of the supply of the vaccine and who we can and all offer it to. So we, there's some level of trust that has to go along with that. Uh, and you know, we, we take that seriously. So we don't just give it to anybody right now. Well, until a few minutes ago, it was 65 years and older or 18 years and older with a medical, a, a medical condition that meets the state's criteria. So now we've added in teachers and paramedics. So that, that's who's available. That's who we can permit to, we can give the vaccine to. The state will allow us to do that now. So on the supply side, we get, we have Moderna. Um, it's, you know, we haven't gotten near as much vaccine as we would have liked. Um, but, you know, I'll give you an example of a situation a few weeks ago when we were going from 75 years of older to 65 years of older. That was on a Tuesday afternoon at five o'clock that they broke that news. So that tells us they've got plenty of vaccine, right? Because um, they're opening the floodgates. There are a lot more people in that group, um, especially if you if you count the 18 and up with comorbidities. So uh, we're within less than 48 hours, they told us they didn't have any vaccine. Um, so the, the communication from the state and the federal government, you know, I, I think, you know, from being on the ground, what we're seeing is nobody's really certain what, what that, what, where, how much supply we're going to have. And, you know, when you start dealing with large bureaucratic group, like our federal government, it's the communication isn't always that clear. So, you know, un unfortunately, sometimes there it's not a mixed message. It's a message that uh, is confuses people on the back end. Well, you just told me I could get it, but now you're telling me I can't. And that was only, you know, 36 hours ago. Um, so e either way, um, we're positioned to, we have the staff to, as supply comes in, to open up uh, you have to go for us. It's um, you just need a MyOshner account or you can call 1888 number um, and they'll set up one for you. You make an appointment uh, with Moderna. It takes two, two appointments, you got eight, two vaccines, as you know, Pfizer's the same. Johnson Johnson's a one shot deal. So that would, that would help us out a lot if, if that got approved. So the supply is really the barrier here. Um, you know, we vaccinated nationally 20 million people. Uh, to get to herd immunity, we think we need 70 to 90 percent of the population vaccinated. So of a population of 330 some odd thousand people, 330 some odd million people, sorry, um, we need, you know, 250 million people vaccinated. And that equates to 500 million patient encounters. Okay, that, that's a lot of times that somebody has to walk in and out of door and, and get the needle in the arm. That takes a lot of you know, mobilization from a lot of different groups. 
you, know, you hear Walmart starting, you, hear, you know, from the beginning, we started hearing all the pharmacies were going to get it, but I haven't heard one person say they've gotten it from a pharmacy. There are 18 sites within the state of Mississippi uh, run by the health departments that are, you know, they're getting supplies and they're, they've stood up operations, but I don't know, you know, I, I check it early in the morning, but from six to seven, sometimes you can make an appointment in Gulfport by seven o'clock, all the appointments are gone. So that tells me they're having supply issues as well. So we're, we're kind of at the, we, we're, we're absolutely at the mercy of, you know, the state government and what, what, what they're getting and then what they, they pass to us. Um, you know, we're appreciative of everything they give us and we try to get it in the arms of, of whoever will take it as soon as possible. So um, to that end, um, ask me any, anything you want to ask me. I'm assuming most questions will be surrounding the vaccine if I didn't cover any of it. Um, pretty much an open book. So I'll open the floor to questions if you guys have anything about anything I've discussed. Well, I will say that was the number one question I know on my mind because it has been um, little to no supply of vaccines available in Hancock County, but seems to be available in surrounding counties. So that was my number one question. And I don't know if any of the board members have a question, they can you know, raise their hand and, and, and zoom in. Very informative. Thank you so much for taking the time to meet with us. If we don't have any direct questions from the Chamber Board of Directors, then I will um, let everybody know that every month we will be bringing a relevant podcast to you from the Chamber Board of Directors meeting and the meeting of the Hancock County Community Development Foundation. So look for this podcast on all of your Chamber meetings. Today, we're also featuring an update from the Hancock County Community Development Foundation. Chaired by John Wiebner, the foundation is a 501c3 public charity that serves as a funding conduit for projects to improve quality of life in Hancock County and really the entire Gulf Coast. The foundation is fiscal sponsor for over 20 nonprofit causes. And one of these programs is Ruth's Roots on Court Street in the Bay. Chaired by Elise Dino, Ruth's Roots is an amazing garden project to provide activities for the youth. And one of the projects they hosted this year is the ever popular Hancock House Floats. And with us today is co-chair of that promotion, Kate Kell, and Kate, you need no introduction, but I'm gonna give you one anyway. The queen of the mystic crew of the seahorse. I know most recently you were city manager for the city of Pascagoula. I think you also were city clerk here in the Bay. Waveland too, am I right on this? No, no Waveland, Picayune. Picayune, okay. I knew I had that wrong, so thanks for clarifying that. But you've chosen to come back here and make this your home again. And we're so glad to have you as an active resident here. And what a great promotion. Tell us about the Hancock House Floats. When I sat down to look at the timeline so I could talk to you, it amazed me. Um, in late December, Elise and I happened to be sharing the New Orleans crew of house floats. And we watched each other's floats and 
then all of a sudden we decided we were decorating our houses. And somehow by January 1st, we had a Facebook page saying we were donating $500 each to have prizes for the best house and the best business. And from there, it went crazy. I mean, we really had no idea. We knew we didn't want to ask the merchants for anything. We thought about first, anything like this should be organized by the merchants. And then we said the merchants are having a hard enough time. So we decided to do it ourselves. And um, we wanted it to be where everybody could participate. So we talked about, you know, charging a fee and I didn't want to handle money. Found out later that the foundation could have handled that for us, but we thought we would do donations. That way it was cheap. Anybody could join. We spent a few hours discussing on how we'd publicize it. And then all of a sudden there we went. Prizes were coming in. Uh, all we wanted was a donation to the blessings box at Roos Roots because that's that was what we were trying to to have fun and then to support Roos Roots. And so we started talking about other categories. We wanted to do more than just the best, so more people could win. Um, we had people in other counties calling us. And, and so we had to stop and think about, I mean, think about it. This is just me and Elise. Elise has got a job. I've got a dog. You know, we didn't, we didn't really know what we were doing, but we finally decided, you know, other counties could have their own and we'd help them, but we didn't want to take on other counties. We're all about Hancock County. So this, okay, so the page goes up January 1st. January 4th, we're doing interviews with newspapers. And what's hilarious is we hadn't set all the rules. So we're trying to keep our, our facts straight. So Elise was saying one thing, I was saying something else. We had to stop and regroup a little bit. So we would, because it was that quick, we just did it. So by January 7th, we had a registration form online. And that was incredible. I mean, that, that took some doing. We're not really techie people, but we got a registration. and registration started coming in. And then the press started calling us. They wanted to see a house. Well, we couldn't find anybody already decorated. So we said, okay, hurry up. By January 10th, my house was decorated. So we had an example of what we were talking about. January 12th, we did the Facebook Live uh, with the chamber there and, and the word got out and it really went crazy. So between that and January 27th, we uh, spoke to the Old Town Merchants at their request. We spoke to the Rotary at their request and prizes are coming in like crazy. Some of the prizes were worth more than the first place, first place prize. Artwork valued at $600. Services that were fantastic. I don't wanna mention any of them because I can't mention all of them. There were so many. So we talked about maybe we needed a grand marshal. You know, I mean, we're kind of keeping an eye on what New Orleans is doing and they had a grand marshal. We just ran out of time. We thought a grand marshal was a great idea. We might do it next year. But then the mayor started saying, okay, for the best in my city, I'm gonna do this. And when Mayor Favre said, okay, I will cook for 25 people. Then the excitement started building. Uh, Diamond Head got involved, Waveland got involved. And then we thought, okay, we need to get the merchants involved in some way. So we went out to them and said, anything that you have that's Mardi Gras related, 
you can you can sell it, you can show it on our page so they could get all their Mardi Gras things out and maybe, you know, make some money. Then we got our judges and that sounds simple, right? It was hard to find people that weren't decorating because we thought about all of the normal people, you know, that you would call like Yuki, right? She's first on our list. No, she's going to decorate. So we finally found our judges and um, January 31st was the deadline to enter and everybody's fussing at us. I did learn one thing. If you start something, people fuss at you. But everybody was fussing at us because they didn't have time to finish. But we knew if we didn't hurry up, set the deadline, we had to get a map out. And then we had to have time for the judges to go see everything. We had 118 houses. They went from Rocky Hill to Purlington. We went in campsites uh, that we had trouble getting our limo out of. Um, but we were determined all the judges were going to see all the houses. We thought about we wanted them to be together so they could talk about it. So we thought about a float, right? Because a lot of floats not being used. That would be wonderful to put them on a float, drive around, see the houses. Well, luckily, we couldn't work that out because it would not have made it up and down some of these streets in town. Uh, then we were going to caravan, but that wouldn't be as much fun either. So we got a limo, a big one. So we had plenty of room to separate social distancing. And we went to see everything as much as we could. The next day, I mean, we went to like 7.30 that night. And then the next day we had to go out again. So the judges went out in groups and to different areas that we had not hit to send photographs to be sure we'd seen everything. February 13th, we did the awards. And we're still like a month and a half from when we started this. So we set up at Ruth's Roots and it was freezing cold. And we gave out $8,700 worth of prizes. Now that is amazing to me. King cakes, a lot of people donated king cakes. That sounds wonderful, right? But it's February 13th and we knew Nobody was going to be making king cakes and then after the next couple of days. So people that won king cakes, we had to get them to them right then. And that was one of the things we did not think about is we didn't have a pickup spot. Again, the chamber stepped in for us and we were able after the ones that Elise and I, we went and delivered some. The ones we couldn't deliver went to the chamber. And I'm not sure if, if you have had them all picked up yet, but we do have some plans for next year. We're asking for help and telling us what we did wrong. We know we needed a website because all we had was a Facebook page. Um, we know we needed to be able to get a, a route to people. They wanted a list and we had a map, but it was really hard to figure out, you know, driving directions and which street you should see first. We didn't get that done, but I think the thing that sums it all up, we got so many incredible comments. We're still getting posts, people saying they don't want to take their decorations down, how much fun they had, how much they loved it. But we got one from one person that says, so proud of our community for those who are so creative with their house floats and those like me who just had fun getting their decorations up. To those who donated their art, their time and money, to make us squeal and be happy. And especially those who organized, planned and executed 
a Mardi Gras like no other. And to me, we accomplished our mission. That's it. That's all there was to it. Yes, you did. And you gave so much hope to all of us. I know it became something that I did on a daily basis with my own mother. She couldn't wait to get out and go <laughs> drive around and see who else had decorated their homes. And I will tell you that people are still coming into the chamber office to pick up their items. And every single person that comes in says, we're doing it again. We can't wait until next year. Next year will be bigger and better. And I just cannot thank you and Elise enough for stepping up. And it just goes to show that through nonprofit organizations like the Hancock County Community Development Foundation, that's why we are here to help individuals make a difference in our community. And it really, it just, it just really starts with one person and then it grows from there. Okay, thank you so much to you and Elise for bringing us so much joy during the pandemic and, and for restoring Mardi Gras to all of us this year. We can't wait until next year. We had a wonderful time doing it. The only thing we thought was pretty bad is we had said we would win no prizes the two of us, and as the prizes kept coming in, we thought maybe that was a bad route. But anyway, we had a ball. Thank you so much.